0: You're listening to Mental with Martini Mantha. Sit back, pour yourself a martini, and get ready to dive deep and get mental. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. Here's your host, Martini Mantha. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Mental with Martini Mantha. I'm very excited for my guest today. He is my wonderful friend and cousin, Cameron Clodio. Cameron is a Houston native. He spent four years in the Air Force working on planes and is now pursuing a business degree since he got out. He unfortunately has dealt with multiple issues related to mental health, so we're going to dive into a plethora of topics today, and I'm really excited for him to be open and vulnerable and for us to dive deep into some really serious and important topics. We are going to have a little bit of fun with this, but I am super excited, so give it up for Cameron Clodio. Hey, Cameron, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. How are you, Sam?
0: I'm great. I'm so happy you're here.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Are you ready to dive deep into this?
1: I am. I hope you're ready. uh, (laughs) I'm going to bring it.
0: What does that mean?
1: Uh, I think you're going to be in for a surprise. I like to ask questions because I want to hear other people's thought on my psychology.
0: Oh, Uh, you're going to throw it back on me?
1: Yeah, I'm a little bit strange. First of all, I'll say is I don't know anything about anything. I'm very dumb. So uh, everybody out there, don't take anything. Take it with a grain of rice, you know?
0: A grain of rice? You mean a grain of salt?
1: Nah, rice. Rice is uh, what came to my mind, so that's what we're going with.
0: Okay. Uh, What are we drinking? Yeah, I was about to ask that. What are we drinking? It was your idea.
1: Yeah, we're going with the uh, James Bond martini, the uh, shaken, not stirred.
0: It's pretty strong.
1: It is, but it's very good.
0: It's actually better than I was expecting. When I saw the recipe, I was like, I'm going to die, but it's it's actually pretty good.
1: And that was what I was kind of hoping for. I was like, man, it can't be too bad if they have it in the movies, you know? So I was like, I've always wanted to try it. So I'm like, all right, this would be the perfect opportunity, you know?
0: Yeah. So now we're James Bond over here.
1: Yeah, very... uh, 007. That's right.
0: Okay. I'm going to ask you some questions. All right. Tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: In high school, I was a total loser, as most people would call it, because I didn't care about school. I was actually out of school more than I was in school. I was in ISS most of the week, which is in-school suspension for those goody two-shoes out there.
0: I don't think I knew that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You were uh, a
0: troublemaker?
1: Detention, that's like where the normal people go. But my school was very conservative and they didn't allow like facial hair and stuff like that. But I didn't shave every day. Like who does that, right? I would end up in there all the time. Just my whole childhood growing up, I was never good at school. I have ADD and I was prescribed it when I was probably like nine, I guess. And I even got held back in fourth grade. Hated school. I felt like it was holding me back from what I really wanted to do, which was like, just be myself. I don't know, like school to me wasn't important back then. And then I realized as I grew older, how important it really was, obviously. Well, it kind of caught up with me towards the end when I was in high school. Basically, I wasn't supposed to graduate. I was having just horrible grades. And I basically had to beg all my teachers, please just pass me so I can graduate. My family and I during the time were always fighting because I was just a (laughs) smartass and I hope I can cuss on here because I'll definitely be cussing a little bit. But So I was always getting in fights with my mom and my dad. So basically I had to fake my way into graduating and my whole idea was to join the Air Force because I didn't want to live at home anymore. I was basically done with that whole stage of my life. Living at home was the last thing I wanted to do. Which is funny now because I look back at it and I was like so fortunate. It was a nice house. Had my own room. Had my own bathroom. There was a media room in the house. It was just crazy. to think College
0: wasn't even on your mind?
1: Yeah. Well, the funny thing is I was in school and my dad was like, you're working three jobs. You need to go to school because I don't want to see you doing this your whole life. And basically I was like, all right, yeah, I'll go to school. And I showed up the very first day and I just paid for my classes and never came back. There was one class I had that was golf. That was the only class I ever went to because I wanted to learn how to play golf.
0: Oh, my. So
1: whenever my dad heard about that, he was like, all right, you got to figure it out. And I was like, I don't know. I just want to get out of the house. I'm making money. I'm working all these jobs. I was working at Whataburger, Taco Bell and Pizza Hut. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll join the Air Force. I feel like that's a good option. Like the military will give me some discipline. I don't really have any purpose in life. And I think that this will be best for me. So you
0: thought the military was going to give you a purpose?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I didn't know. And I still don't know. Like, who really knows what they want to do? Like, we're just all faking it. We're all going through this. And we're going trying- through the motions. Yeah, yeah. We're just another cog in the machine, man. And, <laughs> and, uh, so what I did was I was like, all right, I'm just going to. Freaking do it. I mean, it can't be any worse than what I'm going through right now, you know. The very first day I walk into the recruitment office, I remember this. They laughed at me. I was like, man, what the hell? Like, I can't get anywhere, right?
0: Why'd they laugh at you?
1: Well, for some context for you guys out there, I'm a 5'4", short dude, weighs 135, scrawny, not the most confident guy in the world. So when you see that walking into your front door to join the military, you're not exactly uh, taking it too seriously, I guess.
0: yeah. I guess we'll back up a little bit. Do you feel like your height and stuff contributed to why you like hated school so much? Were you bullied for that?
1: Yeah. That's what I kind of know most about is being bullied. I've been bullied my whole life. I remember I've had bullies where my parents had to stick up for me. And how did that make me feel? There's no confidence there when your parents are the ones having to fight your own battles. So that was hard for me. Mm -hmm. Another thing that was tough was girls. I never got girls in high school. I was just a short dude, no confidence, introvert. I would act like I was extrovert because I was in band and I was around the same people every day. And maybe, yeah, you might catch a glimpse of my personality, my true personality. But all in all, I was very to myself. I had to move in the middle of my high school career. So, you know, my first two years, I've been with these kids since fourth grade. So I knew everybody. I was comfortable. I was kind of in my little shell. Like everybody knew me like they knew of me, but they didn't know me. And I was kind of in my safe place. Well, then... My parents at the time needed a change in their life. And I was totally like, okay, do it. Like, I don't care. Honestly, like school is the least of my worries. Like you do what you want to do. I didn't have a social life. I played video games like nonstop. And so, yeah, we moved in the middle of my high school career. And even then when I moved, I remember asking this girl I took home one day. And I was like, am I just weird or what? Like I just straight up asked it. I just want to know because I think I am and I know I am a little bit. But like I would just like to hear it from somebody else. You wanted
0: her to tell you you were weird.
1: I just wanted to see. And so she's like, yeah, you are a little bit. And like that just crushed me, right? And I was like, man, that's like what I knew I was going to hear, but I wasn't ready to hear it. But it was like a realization for me. I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm not who I thought it was. And so just growing up through these phases where even though these things that were being said to me weren't like it wasn't physically harming me, it was definitely mentally scarring me. Yeah. Yeah. And so I remember that, like, I'll take that to my grave. Cause I'm like, man, maybe I'm a loser. Like I, it just killed me. And I remember I asked this girl out cause it was the same week I asked this girl out to prom and she said, yes. So I was like, Oh, a little boost of confidence. Hell yeah. Let's go. Mm-hmm. We get to the dance and I'm like, she's taller than me. This is the first girl I've ever been with that was taller than me. And I was like, man, I was super nervous. I wouldn't dance with her. I was too scared. Cause I would, I didn't want the attention. I never did want the attention. And so it's just been a whole journey. And even in the military, I was bullied. My nickname in the military—my last name is Claudio. My nickname in the military—can you guess it?
0: Mm, trying to channel my creative mind here. Uh, okay. No, I can't. I can't think of anything. My mind's blank.
1: Yeah. So my nickname in the military was clitoris. <laughs> so. If that doesn't tell you anything.
0: Clearly my mind was not in the gutter.
1: Yeah. Everybody in the military, their mind's always in the gutter. So basically everybody called me a pussy. And so ever since I was a kid, I've always been bullied and I've kind of gotten stronger from it. But at the same time, it's been hard, you know, just like hearing this negativity all the time. But I think it has made me stronger.
0: That's good. So you think the military gave you confidence?
1: Yeah. During the time I was in, I had the most confidence I've ever had in my life. I was starting to date people. Like I had my first girlfriend, my real girlfriend, you would want to say. And I feel real bad because it was my first one. And I kind of thought I was a badass. And so I treated her like shit. I didn't even care what she thought like ever. I don't know what got into me. And I feel bad about this to the day. And this you became day. an asshole. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> a typical douchebag. I don't know. It was just, you know, I was definitely not mentally prepared to handle a relationship at the time. My second relationship was a lot better. We were able to like travel and just be normal. And that was great. But when I moved, actually, when I deployed to the Middle East.
0: Yeah. So you deployed to Qatar for six months, right? Yes. Yeah. How was that?
1: It was awesome. I loved it.
0: In The middle of the desert.
1: It was crazy. Yeah. It was like 120 degrees every day. But the most stable mentally I've been in my whole entire life to this day has been those six months. Why? The reason is because I had no worries in the world. I didn't have a car payment. I had zero bills. I wasn't even being taxed. I got to live tax-free for 6 months. I worked pretty much 7 days a week, so you didn't even have time to worry about it. And the time you weren't working, you were sleeping. And it, the ratio to male to a girl was like 99 to 1. So for every 99 guys, there was definitely just one girl, and half the time, you know, she was already with somebody else or whatever. So it was definitely just a as they say a cockfest and uh <laughs> I don't know. I just that like it took all the worry out of my mind. Like I didn't even have to worry about girls because there was none there to worry. There was no one there. So it was like, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about bills. I don't have to worry about what I'm doing because I do the exact same thing every single day. Just work on planes, get off the planes, come inside, wait for the next one to come in, go work on that. And so basically it just took away the thought process of any decision I've ever had. I didn't have to, I didn't have a decision. So therefore it was bliss. Ignorance is bliss.
0: I think that's so interesting. I feel like that's why a lot of people take solo trips or when I studied abroad, I always say it was the most relaxing or mentally stable, I guess, like you said, because none of us had service on our phones. Mm. Which sounds horrible to say that, like, we were so relaxed because we couldn't be on our phones. Mm-hmm. So we had to be present in the moment what we were doing. But because of that, we weren't worried about who was texting us or who might be calling us. So we weren't glued to our phone because no one could contact us. So there was no worry with that. So we could enjoy what we were doing and exploring and living our life instead of glued to this right square right here.
1: Have you uh, <laughs> rectangle? Have you seen the social dilemma on Netflix? Yet? No, but I've heard about it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So for everybody out there that's already seen this, you know what I'm talking about when I say that uh, social media is the devil. It's supposed to bring us closer, but actually it's tearing us apart, you mm-hmm. know, or at least that's what they kind of tell you in this, in this documentary. And again, I don't know anything I'm dumb, but what I learned from it was like, we spend way too much time on our phones.
0: No, I totally agree that social media is destroying us. Even in my last podcast with Macy, we were just talking about, you know, how it affects people's body and people's portrayal of how we should be or society. And, like, Instagram, everybody's posting their happiest moments, their best moments. And so you can look at somebody's page and think that they have the best life ever. But you don't see what goes on behind scenes. So right. it's like we're living to give – other people who we don't even see on a daily basis some image of us having a perfect life for what what's what's the point right you know
1: yeah and i haven't even post i looked at it the other day i haven't post on any social media besides snapchat i do snapchat that's my one uh, sin I guess but uh
0: sin (laughs) well I'm I'm very guilty of this mindset that's why I'm talking about it because I feel like and probably people who know me too growing up I always wanted people to like me I just wanted everyone to like me I wanted to be cool I wanted to be noticed I thought that would make me happy with having you know the popular kids know me or everyone know me or me to be cool or whatever like But over the years, I realized I just wasn't being me and I wasn't appreciating people or friends in my life that actually were friends because of me. And I was, you know, not putting my attention into those relationships or those people and going to try to be cool or try to be, you know, the in crowd. So I'm totally guilty of it and totally guilty of probably posting too much or worrying too much about social media or likes or whatever. I'm very guilty of that.
1: Well, we want people to think that we're okay. I think it's like just part of our nature is we want to seem like everything's fine. We can handle every situation. We are doing great. You know, if somebody asks us how you're doing today, you're always, what's your first answer? Good. You know, and so it's hard to be vulnerable, but I think it may, you know, it takes an even stronger person to be vulnerable And I support those people that are out there on social media, like posting like real stuff, you know, having a bad day here, please send help and prayers, you know, and I I support that 100%. But I also see the other side because I'm one to like, I use my social media as a memory bank, right? So every concert, every trip. And so that kind of puts me in that same bubble as everybody else. We're like, we're just trying to post the good stuff. In my case, I'm like, well, I just want to remember these moments. Like these are the moments that get me through the hard moments. Yeah. And so I totally understand people that are doing that. But I will say I haven't, I don't post every day. Last time I post was last year. I try to avoid it as much as I can. And if you looked at my phone, you would see that was only on there for like maybe 10 minutes a day. That's
0: really good. That's really good. I feel like that's also a huge part of why I'm doing this podcast is to be more vulnerable and to just kind of try and find my authentic self because I feel like I've never really lived for myself ever. I think I've lived for what I thought society wanted, whether it was trying to be cool or trying to be in the right sorority or trying Mm -hmm. to be with the right crowd or have the right job even. But ultimately with me having my panic attack and with me struggling with all this mental stuff, I really just feel like I just haven't been me. Like who is Sam? I didn't even know. And that was a huge realization of what is going to bring me happiness. And I needed a project and I really enjoyed talking about things like this and being vulnerable and getting other people to be vulnerable too. I think it's a beautiful thing. So.
1: Absolutely. I would say that we're in our twenties, right? Mm -hmm. This is our time to figure ourselves out. Yeah. No one's expecting a 20 year old. Don't look at the celebrities. Don't look at Justin Bieber owning an $8 million house. Screw that. (laughs) We are in our twenties and we're supposed to be figuring ourselves out. No one's expecting us to do it perfectly. And hell, we're lucky to even have a job at this point. Like me, I know, especially
0: with this pandemic.
1: Exactly. And so I think people need to realize, like, your 20s is your time to kind of find yourself. Maybe when you're 30, yeah, now you kind of got some years on you. You kind of know what's going on. You got a hold of everything going on. And so, all right, now you can get comfortable and, like, expect things from yourself. But when you're in your 20s like us and you're starting to expect all these things from yourself and you're putting all this pressure on yourself... I think that's like the number one thing that builds anxiety on us is that we're just so hard on ourselves for no reason, like other than the sake of just trying to impress other people.
0: Yeah. Comparing ourselves to other people. It's not healthy. No, it's not. I want to talk about your battles with mental health, but before we get into that, I know there was kind of a big family thing that happened kind of while you were still in the military. Do you want to
1: talk about it a little bit? Yeah, we can. So basically uh, what she's referring to is my parents' divorce, the big D.
0: The big D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that D.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. But the D word that people don't want to hear about. So my parents divorced while I was in the military. For one, I remember the phone call. I was on night shift. And at that time, I was working from 10 o'clock at night till 6 or 8 in the morning. And I remember I had just gotten off work. I'm fucking tired. I want to go to bed. The last thing I want to hear about is a phone call from my mom or dad saying, hey, you probably saw this coming. I'll remember that phone call forever. But basically, I got a phone call that was like, hey, you probably already know this is going to happen. But your mom and I, were not happy and we're going to get a divorce. And your I da- thinking, this is your dad? Yeah. And I remember thinking, what? Like totally out of left field. I had no idea. I was like, first of all, I don't even live with you guys for four years. So you didn't see it coming? No, I had no idea. I was like, look, I don't even live with you guys anymore. And whatever problems y'all got going on, y'all need to figure out. But what I can say is y'all better not get divorced. Well, after a year of them like trying to figure it out, they ended up getting a divorce. I didn't realize how hard it was on me at first. I just realized like, okay, things will never be the same. I, I remember thinking like, Well, I feel bad for my mom. Like, she doesn't even have a job at the time. She's screwed.
0: And how long have they been together at this point?
1: Don't quote me, but I want to say like 30 years. That's crazy. Yeah. So longer than I've even been alive. It's just like wild whenever you grow up and you hear things like, one thing you never have to worry about is we'll never get a divorce. We'll always be together no matter what. Your dad and I love each other.
0: They used to say that to you? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. All the time. I was like, oh, yeah, OK. You know, it's like just whatever. Like, why are we even talking about it? You know, because I already know this. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes and hits you, you're like, oh, shit. And I'm sure my sister could talk way more about this because she actually lived in the house when this was all happening during the fighting, during the struggles. That I was has been just, hard on her. Right. All I would get was a phone call, you know, every once in a while of my mom or my dad, like telling me their side of the story, this and that. And so I was just there from afar. I was like, all right, well, I'm here for support. But I, I legit have my own issues. I'm working like literally 12 to 14 hours a day. I can't handle this right now. Please just figure it out. Like you're adults, why are you coming to me? And then to like have to pick sides, that was horrible. I was like, first of all, I'm not picking any side. And for anybody to ask anybody else to pick sides, that is hard to ask of somebody when they've been in your life for as long as they have been. I and mean,
0: they're like, your parents. I yeah, feel like that's right. something you you can't choose. Right. Yeah.
1: And I will say like, it wasn't said you have to pick sides, but I could kind of see like, you know, my dad be like, well, you see where I'm coming from. Right. And my mom'd be like, you know, he's in the wrong, you know, it's like, it's just that type of conversation all the time. And so it was just getting like daunting. I was like, man, this is mentally heavy on me. And I've never had to deal with anything mentally heavy before, you know, other than just growing up and being a kid and dealing with maybe a few bullies here and there throughout my whole life and like being called names. Okay, that's something I'm used to. This was something from my own family that was like a shot to the heart. Like, I'm like, what the hell? You know, what am I supposed to do? So it's been a whole process since then and it's not completely healed and it probably won't ever be. But I will say it was for the best. I think people change. Right?
0: Do you think people change? Because a lot of people think that people don't change.
1: No, people change. I've changed. Look at me. I used to be a loser, right? And I probably don't
0: say that about yourself. I think I think being weird or whatever is cool. Like people's definition of weird can be different. So don't call yourself a loser.
1: Yeah. Well, I was in the band and I played trumpet.
0: I was in band in middle school. You know, come on. I pro- I people was probably pro- called me weird at some points in my life too. And I still
1: <laughs> am weird and I'm cool with it.
0: Yeah. Do you think that them getting a divorce affected how you see love or relationships?
1: Well, even before then, I kind of felt like marriage wasn't a thing for me personally. Why? I think that if you truly love somebody, you shouldn't have to get the uh, government involved. And uh, my parents would call me a hippie for that, <laughs> which is fine. I'm cool well, with it. Well, you did live
0: in Colorado, so maybe yeah, you are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: I might be a little bit, but I think you shouldn't have to get the government involved whenever you really love somebody. And if you're doing it just for a tax break or uh, the monetary uh, benefits you get out of it, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. Even in the military, I saw people get married for stupid ass reasons. I remember in tech school, I saw people get married after two weeks of dating. And so after seeing stuff like that, I was like, you know what? Maybe there's, this is all just, I don't know. I, I was like, I don't know about all this. I will say... I have met a girl in my life where I was like, oh, I'll do anything for this girl. Yeah. I will drop everything and I will marry this girl right now. But it didn't work out. And that's fine. I'm cool with that, too. It's just been a whole experience. So I understand when people are like, oh, well, you'll see. Like my grandma, she's always like, you're going to get married and it's just going to hit you out of nowhere. And that's just how it is. And I'm like, I don't know.
0: See, it's funny when people say that to me because I've been very fortunate to have wonderful parents, who are still together to this day and they still hold hands in public. They're so like seemingly to be super in love Grosses me out a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. No, I love it. They have a great example of love. But I had a conversation with my mom kind of about this of how do you know, you know, because everyone's always like, you just know. And my mom said, I don't really believe that, Sam. She goes, I don't think there's one person out there for everyone in the world. She goes, I think there are probably multiple people out there that could work for you. It's a decision that you have to make. You both mutually have to make a commitment to the other for life. And, you know, there has to be more than just the physical. There has to be more than just the mental. There has to be the complete package, but it's a decision that you make as a commitment. It's not like you find your soulmate and it's the best person you've ever met. You never felt anything like this. And that may be for some people, but she's told me, she was like, I don't think, it's like the movies, you know, it's, it's genuinely you find somebody you connect with. Maybe you share the same beliefs. Maybe you have some differences, but ultimately you make a commitment to each other that you're going to be in it for the long haul. And that's the point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll ask you this. Have you ever experienced love at first sight?
0: I don't think I have. Really? I really don't think I have.
1: Oh, I have. I remember my first, they call them high school sweethearts for all you people out there. Uh, <laughs> I remember this girl I saw, I went to a summer camp one year and I'll never forget it because we had to pick her up on the way because she was out of town for whatever reason. She's like, "I want to go, but I, I need to be picked up on the way." Well, okay, cool, whatever. We pick her up, and I remember she gets in the car and she has to sit next to me. There's literally no one sitting next to me because again, I'm a loser. And at that time, <laughs> I'm gonna
0: make you drink every time. You it's call fine. Yourself it's, a loser now, it's a joke. It's a joke okay. at this <laughs> point. It was
1: a joke. I was like, oh shit, I'm about to sit next to a girl, probably for the first time ever. I wanna say I was in junior high, maybe. I was like sixth grade, which is like intermediate school here in Texas. I was like, oh my God. And so she was just so cool. We immediately clicked. It was just jokes after jokes. Like I was completely comfortable because we were in this van together for the next six hours going to summer camp out in the middle of nowhere. And so I was like, oh, perfect. You know, like this is like a gift from God or whatever. And I was like, man, this is my moment. And so I remember hitting it off with her and I never got to date her. I remember I would look at other girls and I would compare them to her because I was like, nah, they ain't as good.
0: Was it just because of her beauty, though? I, mean, I feel like I love at first sight is about looks only. No, like it has that's to be. false.
1: Love at first sight. I want to say it should be called experience at first sight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know how else to say it. But Energy
0: at first yeah, sight. Yeah. Whatever happened. Meet, I don't know.
1: Some people just click together, you know? If you've ever been on a date and like everything just went right, have you ever had that happen? Yes. Okay, so it was kind of like that where everything was just clicking. There was no possible way I could mess this up. Everything was so good. And during that summer camp trip, It was just us two. We were the only two that knew each other. So we just hung out the whole time. And I was like, man, where does this girl go to school? Because it was a uh, church camp thing. And so I didn't know where she went to school. I didn't even, you know, I was going to my school. And I figured maybe she was at a different school because I'd never seen her before. And I I come back to school the next week and I see her and she's in one of my classes. And I didn't even know it. Mm. I was like, what the hell? Like, am I just oblivious? It's fate. Yeah. I was like, this is definitely like the stars are aligning right now. (laughs) So I remember I asked this girl out, had to be seven to 10 times throughout my whole preteen to senior in high school, asked her out and she always said no. I was like, man, what the hell am I doing wrong? Like we clicked so well at this summer camp. And that's where like, I first lost my confidence with women was because of her. Because there was definitely other girls that were interested in me. And there was times where I could have gone after somebody else that was interested in me. But I was always stuck on this one girl. Well, it took me a long time to get over it. And it didn't happen until I moved schools in high school. Girls have always been tough for me because... I'm short, maybe that's the going excuse, right, for all short people out there. And it shouldn't be. Look at Kevin Hart, for example, a dude's <laughs> shorter than me, but he has a and wife. You shouldn't allow these things get to you, but they do. And that's just part of that mental like headspace where you got to overstep your boundaries a little bit, like where you've set yourself in and like, you know, break out of your shell a little bit. And that's been hard for me, but I've, I think I'm starting to get it.
0: Yeah, I like that you said our 20s are the time to find ourselves because I definitely think that I think it goes back to what I said about trying to be what everyone else wants or what society wants or what's cool or whatever. And I realized I was just so unhappy with that. Who am I doing that for? Like exactly what Macy and I talked about last episode is just anything that you do on a daily basis, like who are you doing it for? Everything that you do in your life should be for you and you alone. It should be what makes you happy, every choice you make, every belief you have. It should be for you. And you got to figure out what that means for you. you got to figure out who you are and not do it because it's, you know, the social norm or what everyone accepts at that time, but because it makes you feel good right. about yourself.
1: I remember I lacked so little confidence and I've always been called like, oh, he's innocent. You know, like I'll talk to some girls and they'll be like, oh, he's just innocent. He's too sweet. He's cute. I get that a lot too. Oh, you're like a teddy bear, you know, like this and that. And I'm like, all right, well, when am I going to get my shot right? And so I would start making decisions that I probably should have never made. If anybody ever asked me to do anything, I'm going to say yes. Because I don't want to be called that like, oh, well, he's not cool. He's not going to do it. He won't jump off that. Cliff into this reservoir, you know, he won't skydive and do this. He won't join the military. And I put myself in this headspace like, all right, if I ever get asked or dared to do something, I'm going to fucking do it. And it's not good because I will say, as I've grown older and have been introduced to more and more things, that's led me to some dark roads. There's been times where I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do this, this once, just experience it. Well, next thing you know, I'm doing cocaine and going to some dude's house I've never been to with this group of people I've never hung out with, just to say I'm not innocent, I'm not that guy that everybody puts me in this box. Yeah, I want to seem like a real ass dude, right? Yeah. And I don't regret anything. And I don't care if anybody knows if I've done anything. Like if you ever have questions about that, feel free to ask me. It's like you shouldn't make decisions based on other people, just like you're saying. You need to make decisions based on what you feel is right and what your ethical and moral values tell you you should do.
0: I agree. Okay. I want to get into some more of your mental health stuff. So was there ever like your lowest moment that happened to you? Do you want to kind of talk about that?
1: Yeah, sure. So back to what I was saying about that one girl who I would definitely marry, she brought the worst out of me. And sometimes you meet people and you think they're perfect for you. But on the surface they are the worst for you. They bring the worst out of you. They don't really make you happy unless you're with them. And the only reason you think you're happy is just because you're getting to spend a few moments with them for one day out of the week or whatever.
0: It's like a codependency thing. Yeah,
1: almost. And so one day I'm like, hey, I'm going to buy us tickets for this Astros game out in Colorado. I was like, it's gonna be super cool. I love the Astros. She's like, cool, pick me up. I was like, word. Picked her up. Well, before I picked her up, I was like, should we Uber? That's what I usually do, cause I like to drink and you like to drink. Who knows what'll happen? This will be, you know, just like any other weekend, like we always have, where we're getting too drunk. She's like, no, 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 no. It'll be good. We're gonna meet my parents. I was like, oh shit, this is getting serious. I'm like, all right, cool. So all my uh, pre-existing thoughts just went out the window. I was like, I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do to make a good impression on this girl's parents. We pre-game at the bars in Denver. I remember I was like, all right, we can pre-game, and I just won't drink at the game. That gives you like three hours to sober up whatever so then she's like okay well we're gonna meet my parents and we get down there and of course her dad likes to drink and i'm not gonna be a guy that refuses a beer from you know the father of the girl i'm dating and so we have a drink i met her dad met her mom and even met her little brother and everything was great well this is july 4th weekend my favorite holiday throughout the year or at least one of i had a few drinks at the game and i was like okay i'm definitely buzzed and it's july 4th she's like let's go to the bars after the game and so i was like okay yeah sure whatever and so I'm taking all these bars I know about. We're just going all out. And then the next thing I know, I rear in somebody, mm. just a fender bender. And I was driving under the influence and I didn't realize I was, obviously. I definitely wasn't safe to drive, but we worked it out with insurance. And the guy basically slammed on his brakes in front of me, the brake checked me and I accidentally, you know, tapped him. You know, that turns into a whole ordeal because I'm like freaking out. Long story short, it all worked out but uh we ended up breaking it off
0: because of that
1: because of that and so when I lost her I was like oh my god I'm screwed it's a once in a blue moon for me to find a girl that like is interested in me and I'm interested in her and everything's perfect and everything was meshing right even though I didn't realize that she's bringing the worst out of me and, like making me drink more than I should have during the time and I'm not blaming her at all because I you know I believe in restraining myself and just Discipline, holding myself accountable yeah self-discipline that sort of stuff and so that just sucked that just drew it out of me I was like, man, I don't believe in marriage. That's when I went off the deep end. I was like, screw this. I'm gonna do drugs. And I'm gonna go to concerts every weekend. I want to do whatever I want to do. And I did. And I went to school and I was making shit grades. I failed one of my classes because I was like, I don't even give a shit. As long as my GPA is above 3.5, I'm good, which it still was. But I got in this mind space where I was like, I don't give a fuck anymore about anything. I remember in the military, it was like a thing where You'll be lucky to live past 60. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to that mentality.
0: Why is that a mentality in the military? Well,
1: they try to amp you up. Like if you're going in a battle, just live while you can. Just do what you got to do to get through the end of the day. And if you do go down, at least you did it for the right reasons. And so I kind of went back to that mentality. You know, live free or die hard. Do what you want to do. Live fast, die young. Yeah, whatever. Get it all out. Would you rather be happy young or happy old? I'd rather be happy and doing what I want to do when I'm young than I would when I'm old, because when I'm old, I can't really do anything. It was just kind of like that whole thing where I was like, I don't really give a fuck anymore. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And I was having phone calls every night with my mom. It was just real bad, real, real bad.
0: Still dealing with the divorce Yes.
1: I literally got clinically depressed. One night I did Molly, which is like ecstasy for all you old people. (laughs) And um, it was like the greatest moment of my life.
0: Well, that's the point of doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's euphoria.
1: Exactly. It's wild to even think that it's possible, but literally I took it and I was like, this is number one. This is the happiest I've ever been. Everything up to that point didn't matter. That was the happiest I've ever been. I remember thinking that the whole night. It was like eight hours long. I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. I don't ever want to leave this. But then the come down from that is I want to die. There was a moment, I would say it a thousand times, Where it's like if there was a button I can press right now, I will kill myself. I would literally kill myself. You really I was like, got
0: to that point?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told my mom, I called her on the phone that night. It was like 3 in the morning, and I said, I'm about to go take a full bottle of meds that I have that I saved, and I'm going to kill myself. I'm fine with it. Wow. I've lived my life. It's bullshit. It's bullshit life's a game you know it's a joke as they say and I was like I'm done I don't care it is really not that serious to me Mm. which is hard to say but it was true and I remember telling everybody I was like man that was the moment I would literally kill myself I'm cool with it
0: what did your mom say
1: she called people to come get me and so they did I was like I was just saying that to get it off my chest I don't know if I really would do it but that's what I was feeling at the moment And that night was like when I figured out like there is a problem. And so I went to a psychologist and I've been pretty self-independent to this point. Like I didn't rely very much on anybody. And so I would try to solve all my own problems. So going to a psychologist was the last thing I'd want to do. It was like a sign of weakness. That's what a lot of people say, especially in the military. It's like, oh, it's a sign of weakness. You go see a shrink to handle your problems.
0: Well, everybody wants to handle it by themselves. Right. And you just can't. I mean, I feel like it's more so with men. It's like, be a man, suck it up, you know, right. deal with your stuff. So what made you finally go see a psychologist?
1: I honestly don't know. I think I just wanted to get out of the house. I was stuck in my bed for like three days and I didn't leave it. I didn't eat and I didn't drink water. And the only time I got up was go to the restroom. And finally I was like, you know what? I just want to get out of this bed and I don't care what I do, but I just want to go do something. And so I remember calling the school and I said, hey, do y'all have help? I need help. They're like, yeah, we do. We have free help you can get because the VA isn't going to help you, even though they say they will. It just takes too long. And so I was like, all right, I'll go check it out. So I go to this guy. He's as old as me. I was like, man, I don't know about this guy. And then I revert back to my old feeling. I'm like, dude, this is stupid. Why am I here? And I remember asking, I was like, how long have you been doing this? And he's like, three years. And I was mm. like, okay. I was already judging him right off the gate. And I was like, man, that's, I shouldn't be doing this. But he turned out to be really cool. And the first thing he asked, what's wrong? I'm like, get straight to the point. Love that. (laughs) And I was like, dude, I don't know, man. I got all these bills I got to pay. I just wrecked a car. I've been taking drugs. I got so much shit I got to pay for. I have rent. I'm moving to a new city. like Boulder at the time was costing me an arm and a leg. And I'm like, dude, I am mentally, physically, and financially incapable to handle the situation that I'm in my parents just went through a divorce. They have no money. I can't ask for nobody. He's like, go to an easy loan shop, let them pay for it. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. So I picked up more hours at the gym that I was working at at CU Boulder, started knocking out this interest and this payments I had to pay for. And he's like, once you handle that financial issue, that is the number one stress for people. That's the number one that builds anxiety. That's number one reason for divorce. I not know that. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Yeah. Maybe if I can just handle that, that would relieve a lot of stress.
0: So what was your experience with therapy? Because I've actually gotten this question a lot when I've asked about people's opinions on what topics they want to hear is normalizing therapy and kind of what you were saying about how you were like, oh, this is stupid. I don't want to do this. I don't need this. So do you think it was good for you? Like you needed to do that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great that you can go to a place where you can just get everything off your chest. The best part about therapy, I'll say, is that there's a guy or a girl that I'm going to go see that I'll never see again in my life. And I can just say whatever the hell I want. And I have total confidentiality that they will never tell us all. So when I knew that, I was like, I'm gonna let loose. I was like, I need a purge. All these bad voodoo on my shoulders. I just need to let it all out. And so I did. I just told him, I was like, look, dude, I don't know what you can do. I don't think you can do anything, honestly, if you want my true opinion. I think this is pointless and that I don't know what you're here for, to be honest. But I, I remember giving it to him hard. I was like taking out my anger, taking out my stress, taking out my anxiety, taking out my depression all on this one guy. And he took it. And I was like, man, that is like the coolest job in the world to be able to handle all that and just walk out of your office at the end of the day and be like, all right, good day's work. And I'm like, what the hell, you know?
0: So did it help you?
1: I think it did. Yeah, back to answering your question. I'm sorry. Uh yeah, it did help me. Do I still go? No, because I am self-independent. I think I can handle myself pretty well. That being said, if I could afford it, I would still go just so that I can have those days where I can just be like, you know what? I just want to punch somebody. You know, like I just want to let it all out on somebody that can take it because I hold a lot in. And I don't a lot know about of you. Do. Yeah. I think it's great. I think I think more people should go.
0: After that first session, did you kind of walk out of there with stuff no, off your shoulders? Much, or?
1: No, I was like, that's stupid. I'm never going back.
0: But you did go back.
1: But I did. And the reason I went back because I was like, man, there's still more to be said. I still got to talk to this guy. Tell him how much I don't like him. <laughs> and, I, and I went back and I was like, dude, I'm back. He's like, bring it. I'm ready. You just let me have it. I said, say no more. And so then... I continue to let him have it. I was like, I hate this. I hate women sometimes. I hate everything about the world we're in right now, like politics and this and that. And I just need a break from it all. You know, I need a vacation. That's been my escape lately is just go out and do stuff.
0: Did he give you any like advice or did he really just listen?
1: Sorry to interrupt, but he's like, go take medicine. I was like, no, I'm not taking medicine. I don't believe medicine. Medicine is like a coping mechanism. That's what I thought, which it isn't. And it's just a flawed thought. And so I was like, I don't want to take meds because I don't want to get addicted to them. I'm already taking drugs. And like, I know myself well enough that I would get addicted to it. And I just have an addictive personality. So I was like, you know what? I just need to not go down that road. What I need to do is just get my head out of my ass and fucking handle my shit. And I did. And that's kind of how I've been living ever since then.
0: You feel like you're in a good headspace today then? Yeah, I do. How do you think you got out of it? Was it therapy was it multiple things what helped you kind of get out of that low point that you were in
1: I stopped taking things so seriously I think that a lot of us take things too seriously even now I still do sometimes and I catch myself worrying about this or that I heard something from somewhere and don't quote me but they're saying like 90% of what you worry about won't even come to fruition it's the 10% that you don't worry about is what's going to hit you and I'm like damn that's deep yeah, yeah, it's cool. And so I'm like, shit, so there's stuff out there I'm not even worried about right now that's going to hit me tomorrow. And then now I'm going to really be worried, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, why am I so busy worrying about stuff that hasn't even come to fruition yet when I could be busy worrying about what's going on right now, here and now?
0: Be present.
1: Yeah. There's a funny quote from uh, The Incredibles. The
0: Incredibles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a what good is one.
1: it? It's a little, she's the little designer chick in the show. And she's like, I don't focus on the past, baby. It distracts me from the now. Mm. Boom. And I was like, man, Pixar, are they up on that. Something? They, they know a <laughs> thing or two about something.
0: I like that quote. I do want to address the medication thing because that's another thing that I've heard people want to talk about. From my personal experience, I am on medication. I am on medication for anxiety and depression, letting that be known. For the first few weeks after I was prescribed it, I didn't take any of it for the same reason, I was terrified. There's so much taboo around taking medication for that. You don't wanna get addicted. You're like, what is this gonna to do to my brain? You know, I had some people even tell me like, it's gonna change your whole personality and all this stuff. And I will tell you that's not the case. I have been so much more balanced in my thoughts and I've been able to be more productive and I've been able to focus on things that I wasn't able to focus on because I was so lost in my head. And I had a friend who basically, she was one of the ones who convinced me to take it. Mm. She said, my psychiatrist told it to me like this. When you have another health issue, say you have a stomach ache, say you have the flu, say you have some other health issue, What do you do to fix it? You take medication to heal yourself and it goes away. So think of it as a sickness. You may not be taking this medication for the rest of your life, but you're healing yourself in this moment Mm. and your body needs it. Yeah, It's not something that you should look down on. You're healing your body just like you would if you had any other infection or disease or whatever. And you probably won't be taking it for the rest of your life, but you need it right now. And that's totally fine.
1: Right. That's awesome. Yeah, see, that's the type of stuff I need to hear more of because I'm so hard on myself and like I'm a hard ass and I'm conservative. I'm like, man, I don't need to take this crap. But really, I understand. I know a lot of people that are taking medication and it is helping them. And at the end of the day, I say, do whatever works for you. You know, if you think you can handle it on your own, go for it. And if, if that's not working, then there's plenty of time to figure out what will work for you. That's part of life is just figuring out what will work for you and what will make you better and physically and mentally more happy day-to-day throughout your life.
0: Yeah, and that's what Macy was saying too, which I completely agree with. I'll push therapy, I'll push medication, whatever, just because it's worked for me. But I completely agree that everybody's different. The way that everybody deals with mental situations and trauma is going to be different. So you have to figure out what is right for you and not do it for whoever else. Don't not do medication or not take medication because you think people are going to look down on you for it. If you think it's going to help you, take it. You know, If you think going to therapy is not what you need, you have people to go to, go to those people, but you cannot handle it on your own. Like that's the one thing that I will say is you cannot handle it on your own. You're going to need to talk about it. You're going to need to talk to somebody, whether it be your mom, your dad, your friends, a therapist, whatever. You're going to need to figure it out that way. You're going to need to let it out because it's right. going to eat at you. If you just let it molt, molt. Is that the word?
1: Yeah. I think, in your
0: brain. <laughs> yeah.
1: I get what you're saying. Keep stuff in. It's just going to erode at you. It's going to start eating at you mentally. And once it starts eating at you mentally, then you're going to start losing other aspects of your life. Mm -hmm. And so you're totally right.
0: But figure out what's best for you. Right. And everybody's different. So just take time to figure out what you need, what is best for you. And it can be completely different than what anyone else is doing. That's why there's so many different kinds of therapists out there. That's why there's so many different kinds of medications out there. There's so many different kinds of things you can do to feel good, different kinds of yeah. exercises. There's yoga and there's, you know, weightlifting. There's so many different activities, so many things to do because no one person is the same. Yeah. So no one person is going to be healed in the same way as someone else.
1: Right. Have you, uh, since COVID, partaked in uh, retail therapy?
0: Um, Guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah. I,
1: uh, I have been guilty as well. I started buying all this stuff. I was like, oh, well, I'm about to go camping soon. And I was like, man, I got yeah. to get some camping stuff.
0: We're gonna go camping, y'all. Who wants to join?
1: (laughs) And so I was like, man, I'm just gonna start spending all this money. And like, I'm charging stuff I shouldn't be charging, but it's helped. But it's just so hard with COVID not being able to go out and do stuff. I'm like, well, I wanna spend money on some.
0: This year has been such a weird year. Like I said in my first podcast, It really is just heightened, I feel like, everybody's underlying issues. Even if you haven't had, like, some traumatic event that's happened this year, like, just so many people are just anxious.
1: It's just, like, such a hard time right now. It's tough.
0: So what are things like for you today?
1: So I pretty much just wake up. Whenever, do my classes, work out every day. That's a huge thing for people. A huge thing for me anyways lately is for the past two months, I've been working out four to five days a week, sometimes three if I'm feeling weak. Do you feel like
0: that's a good like coping mechanism or stress reliever?
1: Absolutely. I think... Yeah. You're getting those endorphins out. And I think you're building confidence. That's something I lack. Also, it helps my mentality. I'm like, all right, I feel better. I feel like I completed something. If you're a task person like me, if you like to fill out like a checklist every day, like, all right, I got this, I got this, I got this. What am I, you know, just start marking off the boxes.
0: It's the small things, you guys.
1: If you can just knock stuff out, it's just going to mentally lessen the load. You're giving yourself space in your head to worry about other stuff. You know, you're freeing up space.
0: What is one thing that you would say to your younger self? It could be during school when you were a kid being bullied or going through the military or going through the dark moment that you just spoke on. What is one thing that you would say to yourself during any of those times, knowing what you know now?
1: Yeah, I would tell myself, especially my high school self, just do the work because there's no avoiding it. Eventually it's going to catch up to you. And it's gonna benefit you later on in life. I don't regret anything. So I'm like, you know, live your life, dude. The best places to learn things are when you fail.
0: What would you say to yourself during that low moment before you went to therapy?
1: You'll make it. You will. Any hard moment you ever go through in life, it's not the end of the world. And it, even if you're like debating death, at the end of the day, it's a decision you're gonna make and you will be fine. I think you can push through anything. Life isn't easy. It's not. And those hard decisions you make are just making you stronger. And that way, whenever you have a kid or you ever meet somebody else that's been through this, you're going to be able to give them the guidance they need to get them through whatever they're going through because you've already been through it. Just take it step by step. That's what I would tell myself. Take it step by step.
0: I think that's awesome. I think those are great words, great advice. I completely agree. Like I said it before, but I really feel like going through – traumatic experiences, difficult experiences, and everybody experiences different things in different ways. Somebody may experience something that doesn't seem as traumatic as what somebody else is experiencing, but you don't know how things affect everyone differently. But experiencing those things adds a complexity to your soul. You know, it right. just it, it gives you wisdom. You know, they right. always talk about the wise old people, you know, it's because they've been through shit, you know, mm-hmm. they've been through it and they can understand. And they, they're like, look, I know if I was in your shoes at that time, at that age, I probably would feel the same way. Right. But you're going to get through it and you need to focus on that and – Take it day by day, like you said.
1: Yeah, I think that's all you can do, honestly. If you start overwhelming yourself and start trying to put too much on your plate at once to try to handle and solve, you're going to end up hating yourself. What you need to do, and again, I'm a dumb ass. I don't know anything. Don't listen to me. But (laughs) if it was to me, I would say take it one thing at a time. There's no problem too big. What you got to do is break it down into parts and handle one part at a time. That's what I've done, and I'm still learning to this day. And I still make mistakes and I'm glad that I do because I learned from them.
0: And we're going to be learning and making mistakes for the rest of our life. Right. We're never going to get to a point where we're like, I'm here. I'm the perfect person, perfect human. Right. I do everything right. This, I made it. No, that's not realistic. So if that's your goal, it's never going to happen. We're right. constantly learning. We're constantly faced with that 10% that we're not worrying about. Right. And it's just making you into the person that you're meant to be. 10, 20, 30, 40 years from
1: now. Absolutely. And there's one last thing I would say. Avoid people that bring you down. Avoid people that are negative. Avoid people that have a victim mindset who are like, woe is me. Why the hell is this happening to me? Why is our nation like it? Why is this like this? Why am I always having this rainy day when you're always out in the sun? Those people, get them out of your life. I'm telling you right now. Those people are going to bring you down more than they're going to help you. And maybe they're your friend. That's great. Wonderful. But whenever they start doom and gloom, get them out. Just send them home because all that's going to do is bring you down. And what at the end of the day, what are you worried about? You're worried about yourself and your mentality. Some people are just not right for you. And you got to figure out who those people are.
0: Yeah, we got to normalize cutting off people who aren't good for us. And I definitely especially need to be better at that because I think it goes back to the people pleasing thing of, even if I feel like this person's bad for me, I just want them to like me. And that's just not realistic, you guys. Like you, you gotta recognize when somebody's Energy is not right for you. And even if they've been your friend for a long time, like friendships can end. You can move on. People change. People change.
1: Don't let anybody get in the way of what you want to do. Your dreams are your dreams. I don't care if you want to be an underwater crocheter. (laughs) Go do what you got to (laughs) do.
0: That's so random. (laughs) I'm just saying. Well, I was going to ask you if you had any final thoughts, but I feel like that was a pretty good way to end that.
1: Absolutely. I had a blast.
0: Thanks for coming on.
1: Appreciate it. This has been so fun. Blast.
0: Do you want to play a game? Sure. All right. We're going to play Truth or Drink. Okay. But I actually bought a game called Truth or Drink now, and it comes with five categories. So I'll give you three to pick from. Either Last Call with a twist or Happy Hour. Pick one. Last Call. Okay. Last Call. All right. We each picked cards, questions that we're going to ask the other and it's truth or drink. So we can either answer the questions, which would be preferred because that's lame if you don't, or you can drink. I'm going to go first. Sounds good. All right. What's something you know would make you a better person, but you just don't want to do it?
1: What is something I know would make me a better person, but I just don't want to do it? Eat right.
0: Eat right, oh, that's such a good answer.
1: Yeah, I, uh, such a good answer. I'm such a fat ass. I eat everything and anything that is in front of me and I wish I had the discipline to eat right.
0: That's a great answer. All right, I like it. All right, hit me with your question.
1: What is the bitchiest thing you've ever said?
0: Oh, hmm. that's so hard. It's probably going to be something that I set up while intoxicated because that's when I get angry sometimes.
1: Don't be afraid to drink.
0: No, I don't want to drink. That's lame. Okay, um, cool. Recently, when I was really drunk, I basically blamed a friend for my bad relationship. Mm. Basically, made her feel like it was her fault oh,
1: when it, no. nothing to do
0: with her is me, yeah, my relationship. My
1: relationship, yeah.
0: And. Uh, Almost ended a friendship because oh of it. no. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can so see. That so
0: that's probably the bitchiest thing I've, I've done recently that yeah, I can think of.
1: I feel you. All right, your turn.
0: Okay. What's the most unreasonable thing you've ever completely lost your shit over? Moving. Moving.
1: Moving. I've moved so many times, and I'm completely over it. I remember I moved from Charleston, South Carolina, over to Colorado, and I told the movers... To go ahead and just lose all my stuff in the process because then I can get my renter's insurance paycheck. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't even want it. Just keep it. Y'all can take it home. Do what you got to do. I'm just going to collect, sit back. I don't want to deal with anything. I just want to start fresh. Nope. I had to unload a truck into my new apartment and I lost my shit. That was dumb of me, but I did. I, was, I hate moving.
0: That's I just, fair, man. Moving sucks.
1: I literally hate it.
0: All right, hit me with the next question. All right, this
1: is going to be a good one. What's the most serious crime you've ever committed?
0: I honestly don't think I've done that many crimes.
1: Everybody's done a crime.
0: I don't think I've really done anything That's good. too bad.
1: I've ran from the cops.
0: I don't think I've ever run from the cops.
1: That's a good thing.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Just.
1: Yeah. I don't no, know, I feel you.
0: Running a stop sign or a traffic light. Not, Is that boring? It's it boring. I'll drink because shit. I don't have a cool answer no, <laughs> for that's that. Cool, that's
1: cool. It's cool. No, It's okay. good. That it means you're a good person.
0: Oh, thanks. All right, last question for you. Have you ever had to fake empathy?
1: So, here's you struck a nail with me on this one. And this might hurt some of you people out there that are a little soft skin. And I know our generation has feelings and that's great and wonderful. What kids worry about nowadays in the social media world, like we were talking about earlier, I definitely have told people like, shut the fuck up. I don't care. So and you lack
0: empathy for people in regards to social media?
1: No, I lack empathy for people that worry about things that don't need to be worried about.
0: So when have you had to fake empathy?
1: I never fake empathy.
0: Okay, so there's never been a time you faked <laughs> empathy. Ever.
1: Why would I fake? I I'm so real. I just tell it how it is.
0: All right, whatever. I know. Hey, I'm, I'm gonna make you drink for that one though.
1: Okay, that's fine.
0: All right, well that was a fun game. Loved it. Well, we're gonna close this out. Thank you so much for being on, Cameron.
1: Thank you so much, Sam. I had a blast.
0: Thanks for being vulnerable with me.
1: Thank you for giving me the opportunity to be vulnerable.
0: Yeah. I appreciate you being brave and having the courage to do this.
1: Absolutely. Don't judge me out there. All right.
0: Yeah. Is there any final thoughts you have before we close this out?
1: Mental health is real. It is a real thing. Don't let other people tell you it's not. And if you're in physical pain, that's a real thing too. Don't let people say it's just mental and it's just in your head. It it does cause physical pain. and I see you out there. And uh, just try to do what works for you, like we were saying. And uh, I feel like that that's what's going to help you get through it.
0: I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on. Bye. Bye. All right. Huge shout out to Cameron for being so open and vulnerable with his story and just a number of different important topics. I know this was a long one today. So for those that stuck with us through the whole thing, thank you very much. I hope it was helpful to a few of you. If you have any questions, as always, email me at martinimantha at gmail.com or DM me on my Instagram page at martinimantha. Stay tuned for sneak peeks of next week's episode. And as always, peace, love, and martinis. Martini Mantha signing off.